0: welcome to around the world in 80s movies my name is vince leo i'm the author of the film review website quipster.net i've been doing film reviews since 1996 you can read all 4,000 plus of my reviews anytime quipster.net is where to go q-w-i-p-s-t-e-r dot i cover films of the 1980s 90s and all the way up through today including films that are even older some from the silent era Today I'm going to be getting into the second part of our Back to the Future trilogy. It is Back to the Future Part 2, of course. 1989 is the year. It's a comedy and science fiction film. I did mention in my previous episode for Back to the Future that both of the Back to the Future sequels, Part 2 and Part 3, came out in 1989. However, I stand corrected on that. The third part came out in 1990, technically outside of the range of my films of the 1980s, but... I'm a little bit liberal when it comes to that. As you know, my very first episode of Around the World in 80s movies was a film from the 70s, and that was the original Star Wars. So I will be covering Back to the Future Part 3 nonetheless. Back to the Future Part 2 is PG rated. Hard to believe in this day and age that it would get a PG rating for reasons I'll get into in a moment. It does have some bad language, some violence, and mild sexuality. It runs an hour and 48 minutes. Returning are Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd. Thomas F. Wilson, Leah Thompson. Elizabeth Shue is a newcomer to the series, although she's playing a character that did appear in the first film, and there are a lot of smaller roles for people that you will recognize. I won't get into right now. Robert Zemeckis returns as the director and Bob Gale, the credited screenwriter for the film. Now, if you're going by the critical consensus, I guess. Back to the Future Part 2 is generally considered by critics to be the lesser film of the Back to the Future trilogy. It's hard to believe now because there are many fans that consider Back to the Future Part 2 superior to Part 3. Some even consider it superior to Part 1. I don't necessarily agree with that, but there was a time when I watched this movie, the first time that I watched it, that I actually liked it better. Primarily because I think the first one I wasn't as keen on, at least not in my remembrance of it, although that film has grown over time. You know that I gave that film four stars in my previous review. I think part of the reason why people don't cotton to part two as much is that it is darker. It's less fun in spots, especially for prolonged periods of time than the other two films in the trilogy. Back to the future part two, which originally was called Paradox, I do think nonetheless, regardless of how you feel about it in terms of its tone, it's an intelligent film. It's very well constructed as a sequel. It is partially inspired, some will tell you, from Frank Capra's alternate dark vision of a town gone bad. The Pottersville sequence within the classic Christmas film, It's a Wonderful Life. Both films need to resolve that situation of, of town that's really going to turn very dark. I do think that despite its darkness, it does succeed with a lot of energy. High energy throughout. It has clever twists and turns and definitely makes the mark as a very interesting idea for a sequel to the first film. It's not a rehash, even though it does cover a lot of the same ground from its plot standpoint. It's also quite confusing to follow for some viewers, because there are alternate realities, there are those paradoxes, as I mentioned. The time-traveling theory... And you know, all of those are not the sorts of things that most people who love the original Back to the Future spent a good deal of time exploring their thoughts while they were watching that movie. So now you have a sequel that asks you not necessarily to be charmed by the movie, but to actually get into the time travel machinations and to try to observe its cleverness. So it really does shift your focus away from what you enjoyed in the first film. You're willing to go along for the ride because you continue to like these characters, I would say that because of all of those things, Back to the Future Part 2 is a little less palatable for children, especially young children. There is vulgar language here. The moments of dark and noisy violence really push the boundaries of what a PG-rated movie is allowed to show. In fact, as I mentioned, I think it definitely should have been a PG-13 rating. However, for more mature audiences, especially those really into science fiction, I think that Back to the Future Part 2 is fascinating with its interpretation of a possible future, as well as containing interesting philosophy behind time travel. It strikes a more intellectual note than most films that are marketed as blockbuster family fare. Now, Part 2, in terms of its story, it picks up really right at the end of Part 1. In fact, we see that ending of Part 1, although it is reshot in order to incorporate the new Jennifer, played by Elizabeth Shue, Substituting here, Doc Brown has come back with an urgent plea that Marty McFly and Jennifer need to travel into the future, into the year 2015, because something terrible is going to happen to their family if they don't. When they go to 2015, it's revealed that Marty and Jennifer have a son and daughter, Marty Jr. and Marlene. They're both played by Michael J. Fox, and that they are in jeopardy. And if Marty Sr. doesn't stop a certain event from happening, the future of the family is going to be in ruins. Martin McFly saves the day, but it comes at a cost because Biff Tannen, played again by Thomas F. Wilson, he's now quite elderly. He sneaks back in the time machine with an almanac of sports statistics into the past. And when Marty and Doc travel back to 1985, they find they're in a different reality than the one they remember. Hill Valley lays in squalor and the only industry in town happens to be the hotel casino that's owned by now billionaire Biff Tannen. Yes, the dreaded nemesis. From the first film and it seems that Biff of 2015 has traveled to meet the Biff of 1955 to hand off that sports almanac to be used to place bets on all the winners in sports until the end of the century. Now complexity is sometimes a double-edged sword in films. It's going to lose part of the audience but it also stimulates interest from the other part of that audience that likes to try to piece things together while they're watching a movie. So how much interest you glean from the complicated structure of Back to the Future Part Two is likely going to depend on your personal preference. I can't guarantee you'll like it as much as I do, but there are going to be many people that do. Now it is true that the subject matter is darker in tone than the other two films in this trilogy, but there's inventiveness, there's a brilliance of the restitching of the science fiction time travel elements And that more than keeps the action moving and the story perplexing, I think in a good way, thanks to a very fantastic script from Bob Gale, who keeps the in-jokes-and-humor in perfect step with the first film. Also interesting is the notion that Doc's tampering, and along for the ride Marty, all of that is causing alternate timelines, although their acceptance of any one of them seems to be very determined by their own personal fortunes within those timelines, for instance, When Marty inadvertently goes back to the past in the first film he affects some significant changes in the lives of his parents and in Biff with the McFly's having the upper hand. Doc sees this alternate timeline as more appealing and considers it acceptable to maintain as the real 1985 even though it's been changed, perhaps partly because Doc didn't go back to the past along with Marty. Maybe that makes his older self view the alternate timeline as the authentic one. However. When they tamper with the future, the one in which Biff affects the 1985 of the past to the point where he's the one with all the advantages and the McFlies and Doc are far worse, that's something that has to be corrected. Partly because Doc feels a responsibility for altering the events of the future as well as the past through his own carelessness. And he did travel to the future, so he's witnessing all of the changes in real time so to speak. Whatever real time means in Back to the Future. As with so many sequels of its era, Back to the Future's sequels are a bit of a happy accident. The original film's ending certainly portends the possibility of a sequel. Doc comes back to scoop up Marty and his girlfriend Jennifer in order to help their kids' fates in the future, and also the fact that Jennifer ends up unconscious throughout most of the film. And When not, she's offered very little of significance to do, That would suggest that Bob Gale and Bob Zemeckis truly did not have any notions of what really happens in the potential sequel. They really meant it as kind of in fun that it would be to be continued. However, the first film's rampant success virtually assured that 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 suggested continuation would happen and the creative minds went to the task to be up to the stakes of the McFly legacy and to put the entire future and the past of Hill Valley on the line. Now, although this is a more ambitious and perhaps even more intelligent film than its predecessor, the film also suffers from more contrivance, more shortcuts than the first film. The sidelining of Jennifer immediately streamlines the potential complexity of having three potential agents of change, Doc and Marty and her. And unfortunately, it continues to perpetuate the notion that it's the male responsibility to fix everything. Females are the prize for the men who get the job done right. Part 2 also introduces a major personality flaw within Marty to accept conflict in a place where he's supposed to not really affect anything. He repeatedly can't back down to being called a chicken. That's something that we didn't see evident in the first film. It comes up like three or four times in this one. He really has to show he's not a wimp by taking the fight back to the bullies who challenge him. One wonders why Doc would allow someone with so little control over their impulses to have the kind of responsibility necessary to traverse into the space-time continuum and potentially alter the future. But, you know, Doc is a bit flaky for a genius, so we go with the flow for the sake of seeing what happens next. Now, some viewers are going to be disappointed by these things and more, but for the most part... I was not really that disappointed I was actually genuinely surprised delightfully surprised by a lot of what I saw in back to the future part two even though I do recognize a lot of these things can make it a bitter pill for a lot of people who are expecting more of the feelings that they enjoyed from the first one. So despite not being the gentle and genial charmer of the original back to the future of 1985 part two does remain intelligent it's a heady roller coaster ride that takes us back to the story that we know from its predecessor and then introduces many new levels of complexity to engage us. This is a daring and audacious sequel. While it doesn't always work, I will freely admit that I do think that it deserves the respect just for trying to infuse something different into the mix and does so without losing momentum. In the end, perhaps this is just the bridge of a movie between part one and part three, but it does get us to our final destination, charged up and ready for the next chapter. I'm giving Back to the Future Part 2 3.5 stars out of 4. 3.5 stars on my scale means that I do think that this is a good film. And I do recommend it for those of you who really enjoyed the first film and want to see a continuation of the adventures of Marty and Doc throughout time. And like I said, you're going to like it less. You may even like it as much for different reasons. It's a different kind of sequel. It's a different kind of vibe, even though you have the same characters and a lot of the same situations. But along those lines, that's also what I admire it. It completely does something different with the same set of circumstances and the same premise. So for that, I think it's a successful sequel. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the review that you heard. Of course, I'm going to be continuing this on, as I mentioned, with Back to the Future Part 3 from 1990. And that'll be on the next episode. If you have any thoughts about the Back to the Future series, if you want to agree, if you want to disagree with me, you can find my contact information at my website. You can go to quipster.net for details on that. I also want to remind you that I do another podcast. It's called the Quipster Film Review Podcast podcast. And that's the one where I cover films that are currently out in theaters. So do a search for that any place where you're listening to this right now. Until next time, thank you everyone we for joining me on this trip so around the world you. in 80s movies. We'll look to Review. get back to the future of the past <laughs> in Back so to the Future Part 3 you. on our very next episode. Review. We all know it's so hot for you. Review. We all know it's so hot.